You see, following preaching comes faith in the message, people believing. It's quite hard to draw faith, isn't it? I'm just going to do a smiley face, because if you've got faith in God, that he's raised Jesus from the dead, that's good news. People have faith. Happy. Faith in Jesus through the message that was proclaimed to them. All right, what happens next to these people? Well, we can see in verse 18, how does he describe those who have faith? What happens to them? He calls them those who have fallen asleep. People die. We know that's a fact. People die. And so these people, at some point, they die. But they still have faith in Christ. So... They're still happy. They have faith in Christ. They've fallen asleep. It's a beautiful way, isn't it, to talk about a Christian who's died. They've fallen asleep. Same smiley face. Dead, but happy. Happy in Jesus. And and you see, this actually brings us up to date. This brings us up to 2023. Let me get a different colour pen. Where are they? Because these two things happen once. Christ died, was buried, and rose again. But these three things, they're happening on repeat. What's happening all around the world? People are saying, Jesus died and he rose. People have faith. And people are falling asleep in Jesus. That's happening over and over again. All right, what's going to happen next? Because this is going to stop at some point. What's going to happen next? Well, for that, let's look at verse 22. Have a look down. Chapter 15, verse 22. For as in Adam all die... So in Christ, all will be made alive. But each in his own turn. Christ, the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Right, there's lots in these these verses, but let's just uh, realise for the start that there's a a sequence here. That firstfruits, do you see that? Uh, Firstfruits, that's a farming term. When you get the first apple... It's not going to be on its own. You might not have loads more, but at least you've got one and you know more are coming. Jesus' resurrection is the first of others to come. Jesus has risen and so others will too. And the end of the sequence is Christ returning. That's the first fruits and at some point he's going to come back. So I'm going to draw here a crown. Jesus is going to come back. He's coming back at some point. He will return. And then as he comes, what happens next? He's come as the king. And then verse 20, also in verse 22, all will be made alive. Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. So these people get raised back up. Probably even happier now if we can make that smile bigger without making it look creepy. No, it didn't work. Raised back to life. Oh, that does look weird, doesn't it? But they're really happy. Raised back as Jesus comes. They died trusting in Christ, and then when he returns, they are raised. All right, keep going. Two more, two more pictures to put on there. Look at verse 25. He must reign, that is Jesus, must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is... What? Someone, someone a bit smaller, shout me, a bit younger... What's the last enemy to be destroyed, yes? Death, thank you. Death is the last enemy to be destroyed. 
I'm going to draw a grave gravestone and then I'm going to cross that out. There's a gravestone. And Jesus is going to destroy it. It's going to be gone. No more. When Jesus returns. Heaven, in the job centre, will have all the grave diggers. They'll need new jobs. Death is done. We'll come back to this. But for now, the final step of the plan. Verse 28. When he has done this, when he has done this, then the Son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him, so that God may be all in all. Jesus, the Son, will be subject to the, uh, the one who put everything under Jesus. Who put everything under Jesus? A bit louder? God the Father, thank you very much. So now, I'm going to do a double crown. The Father... Jesus, not to scale. Jesus put himself under the Father. He's going to hand over the full and completed kingdom to his Father. And then he'll be subject to him. Now, there are some questions with that. And I think, well, if that's happening in the future, does that mean that Jesus isn't under his Father's rule now? Well, we'll come back to that in a bit. But let's take a moment to stand back and just recap this plan. Jesus, what? Died? Jesus rose. Jesus died, Jesus rose. That's happened. So we can, kind of, we can draw a line under that. That is done. Then these three things on repeat. Proclamation of the gospel. People have faith in Jesus. People fall asleep in Jesus. That is happening now. And then one day, another set of one-off events. These are one-offs. These go on and on. Then another set of one-offs. Jesus returns. People who've fallen asleep in Christ are raised. The last enemy defeated. Death itself. And then the Son, subject to the Father. Okay, that's God's plan. Good, isn't it? Life, universe, everything. For the rest of our time, uh, we're going to do two main things. Firstly, we're going to use this plan to follow Paul's line of argument from verse 12. Uh, Paul is responding to people who say, there's no resurrection of the dead. You see that in verse 12. How can some of you say that? that there's no resurrection. How can you say that this bit doesn't happen? That's what Paul's responding to. And so Paul runs through in the negative. That's why we've been reading it. I think, that's funny, it sounds like he's saying it didn't happen. It's because he's responding, saying, well, if that's the case, this would be the case too. And then after we've gone through that, we'll think of a few questions that people might have on this passage uh, and apply those, uh, answer to those. All right, let's get, let's get into the argument. Now we've laid out the plan. Let's look more closely then at verses 12 and 13. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. The context of this bit is really clear. People were saying dead people never come back to life. They never can and they never will. Which, if you think about it, is the view of most people in Harpenden right now, isn't it? It's a view of most people in Harpenden right now. But Paul says this is a huge problem. If dead people stay dead, that means that Jesus is dead too. So yes, he died on the cross. People aren't disputing that. But they're saying he can't be raised, can he? Because people don't come back to life. What would it mean if this didn't happen? What would happen to the rest of the plan? Well, 
I'm not going to cross these out because I have to draw them again at the end. It'll take me too long. But if that goes, then that goes, and 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 that goes. It all depends. It's the turning point. It hangs on this event. Our faith, our hope, hangs on the question, did Jesus rise from the dead? Paul says, yes, he did. Do you see? We can't be happy if Jesus didn't rise. We can't fall asleep in Christ if Jesus didn't rise. There is no hope for the future if Jesus didn't rise. That's the, that's the main point. That's, that's the turning point. They're connected. I was trying to think about something like this. Just imagine, you and I, we went out and we found, I don't know where these things are, I've seen them in films, that they're like mountainside temples and they've got steps that go up and up and up in a really straight line. They're enormous things, all right? You can just see the steps going up into the misty clouds. Now, I want you to imagine, you and I, we play a game. You go to the top and you've got a mobile phone, a walkie-talkie and a bouncy ball. I can't even see you. I've got the other walkie-talkie. I can't see you, but you're at the top. And you've got this bouncy ball, right? And you're looking down these, these steps. And what do you do? Throw it. And the ball goes boing. You know those power ones that when they bounce, they seem to get even faster. Doing. And that ball bounces down. Doing, doing. Now, I can't see it yet. But you call me on the walkie-talkie and say, Gareth, it's coming. It's coming. Is it going to stop? No way. Have you ever thrown one of those in your house? And it's, it's going down a hill, step after step, and it's flying. If I trust you, if I believe you, you're my friend, and I know you speak the truth. You say, Gareth, I've thrown it. I've given it some beans, and it's coming your way. It's happening, isn't it? The only question is, did you throw it? If you did, it's all coming. If you didn't, no chance. It's like that here. Did Jesus rise from the dead? If not, no hope. But if he did, the gospel is powering down the hill. It's coming for you. The gospel hope is coming for you because this is going to happen to us. It's going to happen. And this is going to happen. And this is going to happen. That's the plan. When God makes a plan, unlike you or I, he always finishes it. He never wraps up the day thinking, didn't manage it. God's plans always come to pass because he's powerful and faithful and true and good and wise. What is the turning point of Christianity? The resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity belongs in the bin. Belongs in the bin. Verse 19, what does he say? If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we of all people most are to be pitied. People should feel sorry for us sitting here tonight. People who don't believe that Jesus rose should feel sorry for us. What are they doing in that building? Haven't they got anything else better to do? Maybe someone here, you're anti-Jesus. Or at least, you'd rather not have him in your life. You would love to walk away from him. Walk away from this. Persuade your Christian friends or to your Christian family. To, I'm not bother with that anymore. Do you see tonight you've been given the method of how to do it? You don't have to cross off all the bits on the plan. You only have to cross off one. This one. If it is true that Christ did not rise from the dead, the whole thing is pointless. So, did he? Did he rise from the dead? Listen to this. 
just, just earlier back in the chapter. I read from verse four, uh, 3 and 4 earlier. He rose from the dead according to the scriptures. Listen to what Paul says. And that he appeared to Cephas, that's Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, Jesus appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me as to one abnormally born. What's Paul saying here? There's 500 people around if you want to ask them. They all saw Jesus at the same time. 500 people. Paul's saying, go and chat to them. Ollie, did you see him? Tim, did you see him? James, did you see him? Rach, did you see him? Heather, did you see him? And they all say, yeah, I saw him. Along with hundreds of others. Paul is very, very confident. That is not the sort of thing you say when you know it's a lie. Go and ask the other 500 people. Would you? We've thought about this before, but it's worth repeating. The apostles would go on to give their lives for this thing, this gospel that they preached. People would threaten them with death. We thought about this morning. Beating, flogging. They didn't have any doubt. They didn't say, oh, well, maybe we imagined it. They knew it was true. That's what they believed. And we can have confidence that they put their life on the line for something that they knew was true. There'd be no reason to do it otherwise. Jesus rose. All right, what do we do with that? For Christians, what do we do with that? Well, it's easy to think that some Bible truths can be ignored or kind of put on the side. That some bits are like, well, it's like a roast dinner without the Yorkshire pudding. It'd be nice if we had that bit, but it's all right without. The worst that can happen is the gravy's bit of gravy left over. Life can go on. And there are some things that we might talk about as Christians that, yeah, we could go one way or the other, and that's okay. But when it comes, literally, comes to the resurrection of Jesus, life cannot go on. Life cannot go on without the resurrection of Jesus. Christian brothers, sisters, the resurrection is vital to our faith. So it can be at the heart of what we believe and what we practice and what we talk about, what we pray through in our devotional lives. When you wake up in the morning, who are you? You're someone in Jesus, the risen King. That's who you are. And it fires our prayers for our friends and our family. As a church, it should be in our message. We should be talking about this graciously and often and loudly. Jesus rose. Jesus rose. People have to know it. People made sure we knew it, and we are glad they did. How would you respond to the question, isn't Christianity just pie in the sky when you die? Ever heard that? It's quite a cool saying, isn't it? Because it all rhymes. Isn't Christianity pie in the sky when you die? Uh, that means like, uh, isn't Christian, Christian things like a promise of good stuff later but really horrible now? So it's just, it's just like a trick. Just promising future stuff instead of giving you something now. How might you respond to that? Pie in the sky when you die? Well, one thing we might say is, well, then there's loads of great stuff right now. We can know God. We can pray to him. We can meet with his people. We can sing. We can be part of church. There's more. more there's loads of stuff before when you die. Now, that answer wouldn't be wrong. There are lots of good things about being a Christian. But what does this passage emphasize? That our happiness does not come from Christian experience, primarily. 
Our Christian joy does not come from answering the question, how has this week been? Maybe as you think about your week, it's good that it doesn't. Our Christian joy, our Christian happiness, doesn't depend on our week. What does he say in verse 32, halfway through? If the dead are not raised, if Jesus is not raised, if we are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. If you believe the resurrection isn't true, if you believe it's not true right now, get up and go to the pub. Why not? Without the resurrection, we are to be pitied more than all people. Christianity is not a lifestyle. It is life in the risen Christ. Sometimes um, people can try and persuade people to become Christians in a general sense by promising health and wealth now. Not really talking about the future. So you can have it now. You can have it now. Become a Christian. Your life will be brilliant. Health, wealth. None of your fruit pastels will ever be a green one because they're gross. Everything will be brilliant. But the true gospel, the gospel of Jesus, is not now focused. It is not now focused. It's future focused. Pie in the sky when you die? Well, Nothing wrong with pie, is there? But yes, actually, the best things are to come. The best things are to come. Which again is good as we think about our current situation and the state of our world. Is this the best thing that God can deliver? No. The Bible says, no, this isn't the best that God can deliver. God is going to deliver far more when Jesus returns. And we can have knowledge, certain knowledge and hope, that one day we will be raised with Christ. Pie is optional. Joy is not. Okay. Uh, A couple of questions you might have on this passage. There's some tricky bits here, aren't there? Uh, Here are the questions. What are we supposed to take about the part about death and resurrection both coming through a man? Uh, What's the bit mentioning baptism for the dead about? Uh, Why do Christians find it hard to believe in the resurrection? Uh, And then why does this bit happen? Jesus coming under the Father. I'll just give a, a kind of a brief answers to each, and then maybe that might spark a conversation. And if you're not interested, that's fine. I haven't taken up more time. But hopefully the, all these things are interesting to us and intrigue us, and we want to know more as we dig into the Bible. All right, verses 21 and 22. Death came through a man, and the, uh, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. What's it talking about? Well, in short, the Bible teaches that Adam, the first man, he sinned. And as a judgment, God said Adam would die. And this curse carries on to all of his descendants. That's all of us. Everyone who's ever lived. Whether you are the nicest person ever, or a war-making dictator, you die. Because we are all, naturally, in Adam. Subject to the same curse. And crucially, we can do nothing about it ourselves. We could do nothing about it ourselves. It's our heritage. But we are given the offer of a different heritage, a different head, Jesus Christ, who was resurrected. You see, he is not under the curse of death. He defeated death in a knockout blow on the cross and one day will put death to bed forever. And to be in Jesus, to move from being in Adam to being in Jesus, you simply believe the message that he died and he rose. You put your trust in him and then you move from being in Adam with the promise of death, the guarantee of death, to being in Jesus with the promise, the guarantee 
of eternal life. Again, it doesn't matter if you've been really, really nice or horrendously evil. If you put your trust in Jesus, you will be raised to life. Now, don't mishear me. If someone awful puts their trust in Jesus, awful in the kind of normal way we would describe that in a human sense, that person will change because Jesus is Lord and he tells us how to live. But our heritage is not about us. It's who we are found in, Adam or Jesus. You might think, I don't know if I like that. Is that fair? Is it fair to have people represent you? Well, um, go into a pub full of um, England fans after a few pints when England have won a big game and say, it's not really fair, is it, you're celebrating? You weren't playing. What would they say? It's my team. It's my team. Words to that effect. We know there's a, there is a sense of corporate identity that we can belong. And that's what's at play here. We can belong. We belonged in Adam, but we can belong in Jesus. All right, let's move on. Verse 29, the baptism for the dead. Baptism for the dead. Uh, now, if there is no resurrection, says Paul, what will, those, uh, what, uh, what will those do who are baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized for them? What should we do with that? Should we start doing it? Uh, well, this is the only reference to the practice of ba- uh, baptizing for the dead in the Bible. The best way for us to think is, why does Paul mention it here? Because it, it be it's a bit of a, a bomb, isn't it? To just mention this thing that we don't know what it is in the middle of his argument. But actually it makes sense to the Corinthians. And what in the flow, what he's saying to the Corinthians is saying, oh, there's another thing about denying resurrection of the dead. If you do that, then you're saying those who are baptized for the dead are wasting their time too. These people over here who are doing this practice, they believe that people are raised. Are you saying they're wrong as well? He's basically saying to the Corinthians, you've kind of got a contradiction in your theology. You can't be fine with the practice of baptizing for the dead, but then deny resurrection. Does that make sense? Why, why do anything for the dead if they won't be raised? We're not told what the practice is. This is it. Don't know what it means. But I think the lack of detail is telling. If God wanted us to do this, we'd be told to, and we'd be told what it meant. Paul would use us. We baptize for the dead, rather than those. And as a reassurance, the New Testament doesn't teach that baptism changes anything. It doesn't change anything. It's a sign of faith, a seal of faith, but not a cause of faith. The important thing is for people to die trusting in Jesus. That is why we preach the gospel now to everyone who is alive. Believe in Jesus, and you are in him. But it is intriguing, isn't it? All right, penultimate question. Why do we find it hard to believe the resurrection? Why do we find it hard? We know it's important, right? Maybe you're thinking, oh yeah, I knew that before I came tonight. Resurrection is important. But why do we find it hard to believe? Well, the first is, it is hard to believe. Isn't it? Someone coming back from the dead? Have you ever seen that happen? It's hard to believe. It's It's a miracle. Maybe we say we believe it without really thinking what that means. That we hold on to that by faith. We haven't seen it happen. We believe it. If you struggle with it, then maybe meditate on that passage I read just a few verses before. 500 people saw him. 500. And how the gospel spread through these men and women who were convinced of what they saw and heard. Jesus rose. 
and so will you. We fall asleep in Christ. The second answer to the question, why do we find it hard, is in verse 33. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. For a number of Christians who walked away, it's not suddenly one day they had like a bolt out of the blue where they thought, ah, oh, the resurrection can't be true. I'm going to go and do something, do whatever I want. I'm going to start sinning. More likely, it's lifestyle choices, friendship choices, relationship choices that pulled people away from Jesus, bit by bit, just bit by bit, just bit by bit, bit by bit, bit by bit. They went back to the previous way. And before they knew it, they weren't living by Jesus' resurrection. And they weren't around people who believed Jesus' resurrection. Maybe a word of warning for us. Are we going closer to the people of God? I don't mean turning up more often, but in, in just in our hearts. So is it, are we warming towards God and his people, or are we drifting away? Drifting from the truth that is difficult to believe. All right, final question. Why do Jesus and the kingdom come on back under the Father? Why does that happen? Verse 27. Jesus must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last... Oh, sorry, no, that's 25. For he has put everything under his feet. Now when it says everything has been put under him, it is clear that this does not include God himself, who put everything under Christ. It's late, isn't it? Feeling this. Get your head around this. God the Father gave God the Son authority over everything except over the Father himself. All right? God the Father gave God the Son authority over everything else apart from God the Father. These verses lead us right into the heart of the Bible's teaching on the three-in-one God we have. Three persons, God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in the one God. Here we see that this is the Father's plan. This is the Father's plan, and he sent Jesus, the agent of the plan, to carry out. Jesus was given authority by the Father. Jesus is given authority by the Father to take, take up his life again. All authority in heaven and on earth, we've heard today, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Authority to return, to raise, to defeat death. And then he hands it back to the Father. I think this phrase, um, or this, this timing, is not saying that Jesus isn't under the Father's authority now, but it's more everything is being brought back to the source. Jesus has gone out and accomplished these things, and now he brings it back to the Father to show mission accomplished. Plan finished. The Son is the agent who's carried out the mission. And he has the Father's authority to complete it, and he'll give it back to him at the end. And so they're perfectly aligned. Note, the Father doesn't snatch the authority back from the Son. The Son brings it back willingly. United. One God. What do we take from that? Well, maybe a headache. Maybe more questions. That's fine. One final point, if I might. It's all God. Start to finish, it's all God. What do we do? Well, we get to join in here, right? But we don't do it. Jesus died. Jesus rose. Jesus will come back. He will raise us. We don't have to do anything in that sense. We don't have to go and be different because we are already in Jesus if we trust him and we will be raised.
We are not to be pitied. You are not to be pitied. Jesus is coming back and you'll be raised. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the plan you have laid out before us. Thank you for the plan enacted through Jesus. Thank you for the apostles preaching. Thank you for those taking the message far and wide, those who brought it to us. Thank you for giving us faith in Christ. Thank you that if we die, we fall asleep in him. And whatever our current state, we look forward to Jesus' return, knowing that we will be raised with him, death defeated, everything back to you, Father. So we pray for faith to believe this difficult but true thing that Christ rose. We pray that would shape our thoughts and our attitudes this week and forever. Please help us where we can to share it with those around us. And we pray that our joy would increase as we think about Jesus all the more. In his name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing to close.